Yes, hello. I am James Rodens, and today it's dubbing art three five two. It's AEW blood and guts, and I have the pleasure today to be joined by the ultimate one. How you doing, man? You all right? I'm good. I'm good. I, you know what? I, I can't wait. And wait to talk about this event that happened. You know, this week, and uh, the first thing that came into my mind, I was like, "Is he watching this, or he's still, or is he sleeping and watching the next day?" But you know, I'm I'm ready to roll, buddy. I'm ready to roll. I got a lot to talk about. A lot of my opinions on this and the and the AEW Dynamite before that. We could just let's get this started. I'm ready, buddy. Right I'm ready. I'm hyped up. <laughs> Well, like I said, thank you very much for joining us. And again, thank you for joining us uh, last week for the huge WR Podcast 6th anniversary uh, show. Fantastic response and uh, some great responses uh, asking about the ultimate one as well. So again, I'd like to thank you for being a part of that. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Oh, I enjoyed it. I mean, I loved, I loved the first part of the, uh, of the show um, and, and how you and your, he used to be your partner, right? My, yeah, my wife. Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. You, I love the whole thing about how you were not on, on point sometimes, that you was ahead of yourself. It was entertaining. I was like, wow, you know. It, it was funny. It was hilarious. I mean, I loved it, man. I love, I love the whole show. I mean, uh, I'm glad that you're able to, um, I call it, uh, network with other people, just not me. Uh, from here in New York, uh, you have other people in the United States that you do uh, recording with. I mean, it's great, man. This, this is what podcasting should be networking with others and you know and being able to give your opinion without judging the next person well without a doubt and like i said you're a big big part of it as well so just like to thank you for that and i cannot wait for have you on the show now to talk about dynamite so let's get to it the 28th of april because we've got tony Schiavone, jim ross and excalibur running down the card as hangman page enters for our first match of the night but he's jumped by team taz Dark Order chase them off at Brian Cage. Powerball's page on the stage for everyone clears out. We get the bell in this match for Hangman's number one ranking. He throws the machine in, tries to follow up with Buckshot Larry, but gets caught. Kicks out of one of the power move, but takes two power bombs and a drill claw. That's it. Brian Cage defeated Hangman Page. That was a bit of a surprise to start us off. Let me tell you something. This is, uh, I mean, that shocked me. That really shocked me because I thought, I said, well, First of all, before this match even happened, I, I was saying to myself, they're grooming Paige to be the number one contender. Now, supposedly, AEW has this thing, the belt collector storyline, right? So yeah. you're already going to put them in there with Omega for the AEW title. So once I saw that happen, uh, I said to myself, well, you know what? In a way, it's good because they stalled um, Adam Page's uh, momentum for a little bit. And then um, we'll probably have Brian Cage uh, move up to to number one. But I mean, what we saw this week it was a, a whole different story from la- that week where they, these two guys faced off. I mean, I mean the way the the match was. I mean, Page was not coming back from that. I mean, he got attacked. He got power bomb in the stage area. I mean, he tried to do a, a, a comeback, and even when he threw himself over the top rope with a body press, Brian Cage still caught him. And, I mean, I think the match was pretty good. It was, this is what they should do every week. You know, because, you know, we as wrestling fans, we try to figure out the story. And we'll be like, well, but this is going to happen next week. This is what they're supposed to do. Throw shade into the, to the match. You'll be like, oh, my God, he just, he just lost to Brian Cage. And that's the way I, you know, it left me because I was like, wow, you know. So, you know, it was a pretty good match. Uh, uh, the fact that Brian Cage 
Um, he dominated most of the match. I don't even think Adam Page just had like a one offensive move, and that's when he he went over the top rope and Brian Cage caught him. He pushed him against the ring post. He did that move so from the top. After that, it was all Brian Cage. Yeah, about that. And it's surprised that Page lost. And Tony Schiavone said it was an upset. But, I mean, if you look at the size of Brian Cage, then him winning shouldn't really be an upset against anyone, really, you know. But uh, we should say credit to AEW for the kind of long-term storytelling that they're doing because, obviously, we're talking about Adam Page versus Kenny Omega at some point. And, of course, Brian Cage with the problems he had with Team Taz. And at the moment, they're kind of just getting along with it. It was an okay match. I think a better story. And it showed that the rankings mattered as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think I think that, first of all, when it comes to Brian Cage, I think AEW has dropped the ball on him because he came in hot. And I think it was, was it last year's, um, was it last year? I believe, you know, if, if you're, um, I think it was last year. He came in, I think it was the casino ladder match, something like that. And he, started, and he threw Darby Allen across the damn uh, ladder. This is a guy who was an impact, a former impact world champion. And they brought him in how he fought Moxley, um, the, I think, uh, in all, uh, July or something for the world title. He really didn't give up. Taz threw in the towel. And then after that, they put him in tag team. So they, it's like they slowed down his momentum. And now you go, and out of nowhere, you go, and, and now he's having problems with Team Taz and, and whatnot. And then next thing you know, uh, now he's over here beating Brian Cage, and, and you know it's like I, I don't understand it. Like, how you got a guy who came in hot, you slow him down, but now you put him in the ring with Brian Cage. I mean, with with Adam Page, and he beats the number one contender. Mm. So what are you telling me now? Are you gonna put him against Omega? So this is what I'm talking about. AEW's like I don't know. Well, I think it's exactly the same with like uh, Archer as well. You know, when you look at how they've kind of booked him as the the monster and they're coming back and saying he deserves his spot. But it is AEW who should be kind of positioning them there anyway. But anyway, move on. The elite arrive in the limo. Don Callis hypes up Kenny Omega's big weekend, the Young Bucks match tonight. The AEW and Impact World Champion speaks and he's angry at the intimidation from Eddie Kingston and John Moxley last week. He's not scared, though, but all six guys jump when they hear a horn because Michael Nakazawa rolls down the window from drives area to apologise hitting the wrong button. Omega says Eddie's going to have to deal with a goon Nakazawa tonight. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of promos from Kenny. And thank goodness that Don Callis is there, you know? I mean, I, I, let me tell you something. I, I think Kenny Omega doesn't need the Good Brothers or the Young Bugs to be on his side. He could do that all by himself. But being him being with the Good Brothers and him being with the Young Bugs now, with this different attitude they have, they're making him look weak. You want to have a Kenny Omega, the Japan, New Japan Kenny Omega, not this Kenny Omega you've seen, you know. Yes, he could wrestle, he's good, and he'll give you a five-star match or four-and-a-half-star match, but just the character itself, he, this is not the, the, the cleaner we saw in Japan. And, and you know, I, I don't know, it's just, it's making him, I, I don't know, it makes him look weak, AEW. I think without a doubt. We'll move on to our next match. It's Mike, Matt and Mike Sedale versus Young Bucks. This is a title eliminator. We see Matt Jackson delivering a blatant low blow to Mike Sedale and enjoyed Nick for the BT trigger for the win as Don Callis laughed it up on commentary. Uh, then Kazarian Daniels interrupted the post-match celebration. They reminded fans they would break up next time they lose. Daniels called the Bucks entitled over just bitches and implied they would be challenging for the titles. This is not a bad match, but it feels very similar 
to what we have seen. I am the fan of uh, Seidel's. Um, what did you think of the match? And is SU versus oh. the Bucks pay per view worthy? Oh my god! Um, listen, you know what? It's funny because I never thought we were going to talk about this, but this match was one of the worst match I ever seen the Young Bucks in, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because it's like they were playing too much to the camera. Okay, now mind you, I've been following the Young Bucks since early in their career when they were in Ring of Honor and they had that little, you know. Uh, the, the attitude they have now, minus 100, you know. And they had to play a little bit onto the, to the, to the camera, but you knew they were healed, right? Now, it's just, it's just horrible. It's like, what, he did a clothesline to, I think Matt Jackson hit a clothesline to Matt Seidel. It wasn't Matt, Mike Seidel. He hit him, and Mike Seidel dropped even before the, the, the clothesline <laughs> was even given. I'm like, yo, what am I watching here? It was just one of the worst matches they ever had. And every, now it looks like every week they're coming out with this different outfits. Uh, it just, it, that's not them. I'm like, they over, they overdoing this heel character. The match, uh, from one to five, it was a two. I'm sorry. They looked at, this match looked like some, some opening match for a pay-per-view uh, you know, I mean, the Seidel brothers are not a team that you consider a, not even in the top 10 in tag teams. You know, it, it was just, and then the one I think he hit him with a low blow, and then he looks at the camera, oh, did I do that? Oh, come on, stop. It was horrible. It was horrible. Well, and also they did the t- uh, well title eliminate for Mega versus Seidel, and they did exactly the same idea for a tag team ones with the Seidel. So maybe they need something else. But we see Jay Cargill. Uh, she gives a promo, much like last week. She doesn't need a manager. She is that bitch. And up next, it's Penta El Zero versus Orange Cassidy. Of course, Penta is out with Alex Abahantes, Cassidy with Trent. Uh, Penta won't let OC put his hands in his pockets, forting him with two aggressive zero medios instead. Orange finally gets it and starts with leg kicks, but quickly gets serious. Cassidy brought the announcer and Penta's new mouthpiece in the ring after interfering, but before he could do anything about it, Penta cut him off. Cassidy escapes his grasp. Referee becomes distracted by Trent, and Fresh Screed delivered a microphone assistance orange punch for the win. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Oh my god. Why 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 is Penta Cerro Miedo, former Impact Champion, losing to Orange Cassidy? And what's the point of that? Um because right now, if you look, Ray Phoenix is not around, Pac is not around. This should be uh first of all, a couple of weeks ago, I believe the best friends came out and challenged uh the, the Triangle of Death. Now all of a sudden this week we see Penta first he wrestled Trent by himself. Then he fought Orange Cassidy by himself. Where is uh, Ray Phoenix and Pop? You know, are they hurt? Are they injured? I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Like, Penta should not be losing to no Orange Cassidy. I'm sorry. Uh, 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 is another Impact World Champion. He's a former world champion losing to a guy like like Orange Cassidy. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I mean, it's entertaining in the beginning when he tries to put the the thing, his hands in his pocket. But other than that, come on. I don't know. To me, it sounds to me like AEW is too relaxed and they're just putting any freaking match together. Well, my like we were talking about is Penta kind of main event because obviously Impact World Champion is your main event talent in AEW. We've seen the tiny feud with Cody, uh, but he's been switching, you know, teaming up with best uh, against best friends, being heels. 
being a face against Omega, you know what I mean? And, and this kind of stuff. Uh, is he a main, is he a main event player? And do AEW actually know what to do with him? Um, he's a, I think he's a main event player. I mean, if you ever saw him wrestle Sammy Callahan and Slammiversary, I believe was 2018 or 2017. That match was crazy between him and Sammy Callahan. So Penta is main event status. But the thing is, again, AEW has so many wrestlers. Uh, the last time I, I, I counted, or last time I did a podcast with Turnbuckle Tabloid with the A-Host, me and him were talking about it, and he mentioned that uh, AEW had 100 wrestlers in a roster. 100 wrestlers. So you got Penta, former uh, Impact World Champion. You got uh, a guy like Brian Cage, Impact World Champion. You got a bunch of world champions, but now you're making them look like mid-card. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. They got too many big players in the AEW Dynamite. And at the same time, they're trying to push guys like QT Marshall and Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo. You're trying to push young talent and former world champions at the same time. It's it's crazy. It's like, I don't know. It's just storylines all over the place. Like I said, Orange Cassidy should not be beating a guy like Penta who was a, a, a big player and, and been a big player anywhere he goes. Um, and he's made a big caliber, so I don't know why is he losing to, you know, to Orange Cassidy. What the big sense is he, he loses, uh, actually, Trent loses to Penta, but Orange beats Penta the following week. Does that make any sense? No. Well, it's, it's WWE type 50-50 booking in a yeah. way, isn't it? You know, yeah. so um, yeah. that that is a problem. But I will want to say say one thing about Alex is is the best translator mouthpiece that I've seen with uh, with uh, Penta and everything like that. I think he could, he really gets into it, uh, and I think he's found yeah, his role he, quite he, well. Yeah, he is uh, Alex right now is like the advocate, the Spanish version of Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, he's like. Uh, Penta says, you know what I'm saying, which which is pretty cool, but I mean, does it, Penta really need that guy? I mean, even though I, I guess what they're doing is they're trying to, um, how do you call it? Trying to, um, I guess, reach out to the Hispanic community as far as, like, because, you know, they, they, they are reaching out. Um, I guess they got the Spanish commentators, so they're trying to, you know, they're trying to reach out, and it's understandable, but, you know, I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with, with, with Alex being part of uh, Penta's corner, you know, because, you know, Penta doesn't speak good English anyway. So, you know, yeah, it, it, it works out. Yeah, I think without a doubt. We see Tony Schiavone talk to Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. She's thrilled. She's ranked number one and talks about her greatness. She was signed to be the face of the AEW's women's division. And now it's time for her to be its champion. And I uh, can't really argue with that. No, no. Do you... Do you like Britt Baker now the way she is now, or you like the Britt Baker that first came in through AEW? I think this Britt Baker now is more gaining in confidence, and I think the booking is finally getting behind her, so she can be the best of both worlds now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, and a lot of people in denial, they were like, oh, Britt Baker's not going to win the title. Britt Baker is going to be the next AEW Women's Champion, and that's going to happen at double or nothing. There's nothing they're going to do because Sheeta has this belt. This double or nothing will make a year that Sheeta has had this belt. So, yes, I think uh, what, what um, Baker's been bringing to the table, his added, her attitude, her promos are good, are great. And that's, 
And I think once she wins the belt, I think she could push the whole division. I mean, and, and make, you know, there's a lot of challengers there that could give a run for the money, like, you know, uh, Chris Stanlander, Thunder Rosa, uh, Wolves in there, Tiger Connie, Ty Conti, you know, and once uh, Anna Jay comes back. So we'll see. I mean, this girl, I, I, I love the whole, her whole promo with that DMD. I love it. Yeah. I'll be right out. Then we see the inner circle, the pinnacle trio, and Tony Schiavone in the ring for the blood and guts parlay. Sean Spears started things off with a warning to Sammy Guevara, telling him Chris Jericho is leading him into dangerous waters. The Spanish God says Spears has been a failure in AEW, was a failure in WWE, and will it be again next week? Guevara agreed to give the pinnacle the advantage and vowed to beat every member of the group. Cash Wheeler criticised this version of Santana Ortiz, calling them soft. Jericho lapdogs. Dax Harwood told Santana Ortiz to hold their children close, drawing a passion response from the latter who said he would let his fist do the talking Dax is fire we see MJF crediting Jericho for being a top star we attract lap fans to come and check out the product he talked about how tired worn down and beat up Jericho is and blood and guts will once again be the champion next week when he takes his spot Jericho criticized MJF for being entitled enough to think he can take his spot he said MJF has to earn it he was happy to have worked for everything he got busting his ass in arenas around the world he said the inner circle is blood and guts I've been a family since day one in AEW. He then said that MJF and the Pinnacle would have to kill the inner circle before they surrendered. Then we get the tenth stare down. Uh, what we thought? I thought this was fantastic. Oh, that was that was the best promo they had since this whole feud started. I think it was a lot of passion in it. I love the part with uh, FTR. Well, actually, the best part was what Sammy told Sean Spears that that was a that was a shoot right there. Uh, I loved it when he said you you've been a failure, which is true because we came in. He came in hot with the you know he was the the chairman of the AEW whatever it was called, and then they gave him a black glove, making him look like the next Barry Windham. Then they didn't do nothing, and then all of a sudden now, you know, he tried to play Sammy Guevara. Guevara just beautifully with, with that shoe. He said he was a failure in the other company. I mean, and then the FTR, they pretty much. Uh, they went over a little bit of the line when they started talking about Santana uh, or these uh, kids. And I was like, oh, and especially Santana. Santana is very passionate when it comes to his daughter. And I don't know if I told you, but Santana is second cousin to my daughter. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. They, uh, so he's first cousin um, to my daughter's my daughter's mother. I, I didn't know this until uh, my daughter's mother told me, oh, my cousin wrestles. And then she showed me a picture. I was like, wait a minute, that's that 10 hour team. That's you know, Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and once she told me that, so I started following her more. But yeah, so, and I know Santana's very passionate. When he, you, you see his face when he, saw, he said, don't talk about my daughter. I was like, but that whole, I mean, this was one of the, the best uh, promos they did. Because remember, they did the promo separately. The, 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 I think the two weeks prior to that. I know the, the MJF, I hate when MJF does promos. It's like he's the only one talking. The rest of the team doesn't say anything. I'm like, dude, just shut up already, you know? Uh, <laughs> but this was this was good. It was passionate, and it showed you that these guys were ready to go at it for bloods and guts. This was perfectly beautiful promo. Uh, I, I, you can't ask for nothing better than that. Well, I think without a doubt. Well, up next, we see Eddie Kingston refused to battle Michael Nakazawa. 
in a match set up by AEW World Champ Kenny Omega. He said he demanded a match with Omega, who appeared and denounced the idea. He said, we're sending the goons after you, you don't get the champ. Kingston sees breaking Nakazawa's ankle, to which Omega shrugged it off. Brandon Cutler came flying through the entrance, followed shortly by John Moxley, who threw Omega into the ring. Kingston threatened to break his ankle until Don Callis appeared. The invisible hand gave into the babyface threats, granting Moxley and Kingston a match against Omega and Nakazawa on next week's show. So we've had two back-to-back basics talking segments uh, just there. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, I love what Eddie, you know, I love Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is one guy, when he does promos, he, he comes out of the whatever, I guess the, 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 the script or whatever. I love what he came out and he said, we're not doing this sports entertainment shit. <laughs> I, yeah. like, I loved it. I was like, yo, he took a shot at WWE and whatnot. Uh, I liked it, but here was my problem with that. I'm like, let me get this straight. You got Kenny Omega, who could team up with either Carl Anderson or Luke Gallows or one of the young bucks, but you chose Michael Nakazawa, Mr. Swimsuit with baby oil as your tag team partner. And when I see stuff like that, I could already predict what's going to happen the following week, you know? So I was like, okay, so you need to tell me you're going to put this match next week on the Bloods and Guts show. That's not even fucking, not even mid-card or main event shit. Why is the world champion teaming up with a, with a, with a jobber? It didn't make no sense to me. So, yeah, I mean, I found this boring until Moxley got involved in this. And it, it kind of... Even would have been nice to see why the Bucks and the Good Brothers didn't come to help Omega when we knew they were kind of backstage and, you know, they held, kind of held him hostage with a chair. And just Again, it's just, it's kind of the samey, you know, and it's just like, oh, come on, I just want to move on from this and hopefully and, 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 there's and a pay-per-view Brand- coming up, you know. And Brandon Cutler, his career is done because now I think he has an orbital injury, but now he's part of this, so he's another goon that is yeah. just part of Omega's frontman case somebody tries to attack them they get attacked first and then you know so i, I don't know I, I don't know brandon color i'm like this dude is like a friend of the young bucks and whatever and now the he's another guy that's gonna he's just dead just to collect a paycheck the way i look yeah. at it uh, that well, we see Taz's interview by Tony Schiavone. He's bragging about Cage's win. Starts talking about Team Taz's issue with Christian. That brings out AEW's other Cage. He says that Taz is living vicariously through Team Taz. And since he wishes to come back like Christian, uh, now he wants to live vicariously through him. Taz can send everyone at him. He'll take them down one by one. I thought this was very nice emotion by Taz. It wasn't over the top, but you can say it definitely got under his skin, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Hold on a second. Uh, was this the one that uh, Hobbs attacked him? No, this is just uh, Christian basically saying to him, uh, you just want to be me, and I came back because you couldn't come back. And it's just the both standing backstage, and Taz, you can see maybe tears rising in his face because he's he's just so annoyed because, of course, he'd want to come back, but maybe Christian has actually got a point. Uh, let me hold on, give me a second. What the hell? How come I don't got this here? I don't remember this part. Let's see, let's see, uh, let's see, let's see. Wow, why don't have that here? Well, we got Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we right. see Ford trying for a handspring elbow, but Statlander caught her, drove her to the mat with Big Bang Theory and scored the win. Uh, they reintroduced Statlander into the division. Ford, not bad, but very WWE look about her. 
this yeah, is an I mean, okay match. What were your, it, your it's, thoughts? It's, it's, it's a mean or penalty for one minute it looks good and the next minute she looks like, you know, she's still green. Yes. I, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have thought that this was going to be a, a, a like more like a bar burner type, you know, penalty for I know Chris Daniel that has, I think, size over her. And and, um, and it's understandable. I mean, at one point, Stanley had to call her and bench press her over her head. And I'm like, okay, Penelope Ford's not doing too many, like, offense moves. Uh, this, this is, I guess it's kind of ending, a, can we say a feud, maybe? Because, I mean, wow. because I remember the only reason these two are fighting was because it was, a, I believe, it was a tag team match with uh, Stanlander went after Sabian. That's how she busted her ACL, and it was a match with her for Nelly Ford. So I guess this is why they figured, well, now we could put them one on one, and why not? Because you know, if it wasn't because she had to jump on Sabian, she would have never busted her ACL. This match, uh, again, the the women's division still needs a lot of work. I mean, why you have Penelope Ford in there? And, I mean, one minute she looks good, the next minute she doesn't. So is she still going to be like a, in the low tiers? She's going to be jobbing out to all these girls. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see why. I, I don't understand. I don't know what they're going to do with her. You know? No, so it's, I, it, I, I think Stanlander that she'll probably be there. So once I think Britt Baker wins the the title, she's going to be there for that yeah. uh, somewhere in there. Yeah, I think that. I think she's definitely a challenge. Of course, you need to kind of build up the baby faces now as well. Of course, with uh, what's happening with Britt Baker. But up next, we get the Factory versus the Nightmare Family. QT and the boys enter from Cody's bust, and now the announcers want answers. Billy Gunn, Dusty Rose, and Lee Johnson enter from the back and immediately start brawling. Everyone pairs off. The Hills eventually get Gunn alone in the ring, and Target is taped up. Rigs. We get a hot tag. Johnson runs wild, but after a corkscrew dive to the outside, a gogu levels him, and Billy with gut punches. That allows QT to get the pin. And then things break down the aftermath. Uh, Coromoso takes out Dustin with his own cowbell. Marshall flees to the bus, but Cody is back. Was he hiding there when they stole it? Anyway, he jumps him and chases him to the roof of the bus where he locks in the figure four. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Oh, my God. This was a freaking disaster. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, after I think it was after the match. Well, no, no. Let me start off with Anthony Ogogo. First of all, they make it this Anthony Gogo look so, oh my God, dangerous with his little bolo punch. And he takes out Lee Johnson. Okay. Camarado takes out uh, Dustin Rowe with a cowbell. And Solo, I don't know what he's doing. But the funny part is, after they hit Dustin Rose with the cowbell, they leave, right? QT marches by himself. Here comes the gun club, uh, Billy Gunn's kids, and start beating up on QT. And I think Camarado and Solo was like, wait a minute, I guess we weren't supposed to leave. They come <laughs> in. Now, QT Marshall goes all the way to the back, toward the bus, and the camera messed up. Because if you're going to do a surprise, right? I mean, I, really, I had a feeling it was going to be Cody because I get texts, like, some stuff from Cody. I don't know how I get it, but I get texts from Cody, like, what's next, when he's coming out, whatever. So uh-huh. the camera angle, if you're going to have QT Marshall going back into the bus, don't you think you should have put tinted windows and then when he opened, Cody comes out, start ba- wailing at him? No, they, the camera showed, look, you know, oh, tells you, oh, look who's there. Okay, really? I'm like, what the hell? And then what's the funny part is, they go to the top, the top of the bus, 
Why is Aubrey Edwards on the top of the bus? To do what? <laughs> Make a count? I, I, I didn't get that. It's, it, I'm telling you, it, this was a, a, a fuckery and a half. And, and like, I was like, this show was just all over the place. Like, like, well, the... The thing is, plus AEW has a load of talent. Why use green guys without a proper development? Use one of the dozen of contracted wrestlers. Now, you touched on this earlier in your notes. And this is exactly the same as my notes, you know. Like I said, AEW, the amount of talent that it's got, and, and doing this at this point just didn't feel right. Because um, we talked about Cody moving on from Penta to this. Is this beneath Cody, or is this what he wants to do? And then he can say once he wins the AEW world title, well, look what I did for all those years eating shit, you know? No, <laughs> like, but, but, but here's the thing, though. You see, you mentioned eight, uh, Cody winning the AEW title, right? They're still on that bullshit match he had two years ago with Jericho where he can't go after the title. And my thing is, and I, I told this to my roommate too, I'm like, Cody should be nowhere in the low tiers. Like, QT Marshall, the Aaron Solos, the Camarado, those guys still trying to work themselves to the middle card. Why are you down there? You're, 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 former, you're a former world champion, Ring of Honor world champion. Why are you down there? I understand you're trying to help. Um, you're trying to help the, the younger talent come up, whatever. And you probably take one for the team, whatever. But, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on here. Like, you're supposed to be in the main event. You're supposed to be somewhere between TNT title and between the AEW title. What the hell are you doing on the undercard? It don't make no yeah. sense. I'd say he positioned, I mean, Cody should be positioned like Jericho as opposed yeah. to like, you know, working with young guy in a more prevalent feud and actually mean the thing as opposed to just kind of filler at this moment in time. Yeah, like, you know? I, I, I see it like this. Even if you beat QT Marshall, even if you beat Antonio Gogo, what's that getting you? It's not getting you nothing. You, you, even if you lose, I mean, right now what it looks like, Antonio Gogo will be the one who's going to be the next challenger to face Cody. Why are you going all the way? Anthony Gogo has not impressed me at all. The guy had one match, punched the guy in the ribs, and the match was over. So, how you? I don't. I don't understand it. I, it's a lot of problems. Well, I'll 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 go on to the. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to explain a little bit more why I dislike it on the next episode of Dynamite yeah. as well. But uh, we'll see. We finally see Kip catching up with Miro backstage and getting his ass kicked by his best man. <laughs> Miro tells Sabian he forgives him. This was incredible, wasn't it? You know? Oh, I loved it because he was like, you know, he <laughs> Miro whooped his ass. Miro whooped his ass. like, And then after he grabbed his arm and slammed it against the door, he told him sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it because it's like he's like he beat the shit out of him because he's like you holding me back from going after a world uh, uh, title okay I'm worried about you why you not here so while I'm worried about you I can't go after a title so he goes so he said, it's time for you to pay pay the price and he slammed that door and then after he get him with the with the uh, with the door with on the arm he tells him I'm sorry I loved it that one was good I like that I like that Miro yeah. right now the way they're pushing him this is the Miro they should have came in last April. Yeah, exactly. Miro's finally arrived now, and he should have been here a long time ago. But now, our main event is Darby Allen versus 10. Stings with a TNT champ, the Dark Orders with their boy. Advanced delivered Wilbarrow into a German suplex of a close two count. Moments later, he applied the full Nelson for Allen to use his momentum against him. Scored both a victory and his ninth successful title defence. Of course, we saw a bit of shenanigans earlier with uh, Page getting involved in the match. And after the match, Vance helped Allen up in a show of respect. 
Champion raised the uh, black Brody armband up in honour of the late competitor. And then Paige and Scorpio Sky attacked Allen and Sting. Sky applied a heel hook on the icon while Paige forced Allen to watch. Lance Archer and Vance hit the ring to chase the heels away. So Sting and Archer versus Paige and Sky then at the pay-per-view. So, you know, maybe that's what they're looking for. Is what's your What were your thoughts on the main event match? And with this angle, did it kind of ruin the fact that Darby Allen won't be TNT champion at double or nothing? Yeah, that's, that's what it looked like to me because, um, you know, the fact that I was surprised that, that, that Scorpio Sky put the heel hook on, on Sting. Uh, I, at first, I thought, what you know, maybe, you know, they, they, they'll put Lance Archer against uh, Ethan Page and, and Scorpio Sky, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And it looks like Darby's going to be losing the belt. I mean, uh, and again, I, again, I, I think Darby has been the MVP as far as the wrestler in, in that company in the last two months. The guy has been in it, I think, what, four of the last five title matches of full counts anywhere. Of, I mean, he wrestled almost everybody. And, and now you're going to reward him by taking the belt away from him to lose it to God know who, so him to team up with Sting to go after Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, which in reality, if that's the case, that you got to give the, the win to Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. Because if you give the win to to, to Darby Allen and, and Sting, uh, we did all this for what? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, uh, I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think Darby's coming to double nothing minus the TNT title. Yeah, I think uh, I think AEW dragged a little bit uh, of the week. Uh, the first match of the show maybe would have been better at the main event. But rating-wise, after hitting over a million past couple of weeks, this week saw a slight drop, 889,000 viewers during its two-hour time slot on TNT. And like I said, maybe not the best dynamite, but hopefully now May 5th, blood and guts. I mean, they've been building it up for so long. Uh, that it had to kind of be delivered. Uh, the show opens, we're warning that tonight's content may not be suitable for all viewers, so we're going to have a good time. We see the intro video and commentary hype up tonight's show. And then we get Don Callis getting the mic and talk uh, Nakazawa up as being part of the lineage of great Japanese pro wrestlers. Um, and that, was, here, that, was, that, was, that made me laugh. <laughs> well, Kenny Omega isn't here tonight, so Nakazawa's going to wrestle it alone. We see Moxley and Eddie Edwards coming up, but Omega is here hitting him with a title belt, leading to this tag match. Um, we see Moxley's Michael hooked and kicks it off as Kenny a path back in the ring, but he refuses. Leading his friend to tender mercies, half Nelson, Mox off the ropes, and then a the half and half uh, heart attack of sorts. Nakazawa to get the win, but it's still more because post-match Young Bucks Good Brothers hit the ring and work. Mox and kicks an overlay. Mox out with super kick. Kenny Omega returns with Brandon Cutler toll, hits a one-winged angel. He mock covers Eddie for free to add insult to injury. Right, take a breath. What were your thoughts on this opening, this never-ending, this repeating story for me uh, to open up Dynamite? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Michael Nakazawa, are these guys serious? Like, I, I don't know. To me, um, this this match was not one of Kingston's or Moxley's best matches because of the competition, you know? Uh, I mean, you, you knew they were probably going to win, but they were going to get jumped, like I said uh, in the beginning of this podcast. Um, it wasn't one of their best. Cause you, and then the thing that kills me is, is you got a 5-0-2, okay? They got jumped. Five on two, and you gonna tell me that there's nobody in the back that could come out and help him. So 
it, it, it made them look weak. Kingston and Moxley, they like, okay, there's some badasses. They're like, it's only them two feuding with the elite. That, but after a while, it's gonna be people gonna be like, okay, we don't really believe that these two are gonna take out the whole elite. No, come on. Uh, it wasn't. It, it wasn't one of the best uh, opening matches. This is the first time I can actually say that AEW dropped the ball in the opening of a Dynamite because this was whether because the world champion was involved. But look who you had as his tag team partner, Michael Nakazawa. And yeah. then who came up with that promo for Don Callis to say that he's one of the best, uh, one of the legends in Japan? Are you kidding me? I was like, I almost spilled my water when I heard that shit. I was like, yeah, what? I'm like, come on. Well, this. This was uh, this was less match, more angle, I suppose. And I feel yeah. the story's dragging with Box and Omega. The AEW has a stacked talent roster and Nakazawa. So um, we, we can see it here. <laughs> we find out afterwards Baker v. Shida is official. Like I said, we called this ages ago. And then up next is Cody Rose versus QT Marshall. Oh, dear. So Marshall delivered a buckle bomb and tried for a tombstone pile driver. After a series of reversals, uh, Rose delivered the move, but could only keep his opponent down for two. You could hear J.R. on commentary just going, oh, t- you just, he got so pissed off the fact that bar driver, he's got a legendary finisher, he's just used as a kind of onto the next move type thing, you know, and um, we see the physicality intensified until Rose offered to help his former friend to his feet when Marshall flipped in the bird, a pissed off American nightmare, applied the figure four, for the win, and after the match, Anthony Gogo hit the ring and blasted Rose with a shot to the midsection. You can be seen as bury him underneath the Union Jack. Right, what is your thoughts on that matchup before I go on a rant on this storyline? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to go on a rant on this shit. First of all, let, let's talk about Jim Ross. I think Jim Ross forget where he's at, and he starts criticizing the talent while a match is on. I, I think. Tyler was pissed off about him about that because he did. This is not the first time he done this. He's done this in the past. This thing with QT Marshall again, like I said, uh, QT Marshall is not nowhere in the low uh, in the mid card or the main event for Cody Rhodes to be even wrestling this guy. I understand you trying to make it like a, a pupil versus student. You know, what I'm saying not that QT Marshall is 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 you no know, twenty year old or. 25-year-old. The guy's been supposedly was in the business. He left because he had a bunch of injuries. But the fact that, first of all, why QT put his hand on R. Anderson and, and, and R. Anderson went and fucking grind his head on the, on the side of the damn, <laughs> of the damn post and then a kick out. And, and then, now, here's the part that pissed me off because QT got the, he has control of the match. Why the hell is he pulling his damn trunks down? Like, and then he gets caught with a DDT, and then Cody still trying to make it look okay. He probably, you know, uh, he has regrets getting in the ring with me. And QT gives him the middle finger, and then he pulls the figure four, like, like. And then it make it worse because then here comes Anthony Ogogo again with this bolo punch, and then he burns him in the Union Jack flat. I'm like, so Ogogo is trying to make UK versus United States now. This shit makes no fucking sense. So I'm like, you know, well, this is, this is powerful. No, well, I, I'll tell you one thing about JR first, and I've noticed it on Dynamite recently, is when he goes, do you know what I'm saying? That's pretty cool. And then he explains, like, you know, 
page wrestling doing this is called or or this main event is cool and as soon as someone says especially a man in his 60s goes that's cool the vast majority go no it isn't uh but anyway my problem with this feud like you said the old uh uk versus uh usa tony Schiavone, i think said it on commentary last week of the fact of like well a go go if you don't like it go back to where you come from and i've always fucking hated those storylines you know uh just how multicultural everything is anyway but the fact of like a go comes out the british flag and now it's going to go they're going to you know uk sucks and usa it's its cheapest kind of option to go for you know yeah, um, yeah, they're trying to i think they're trying they're trying too hard to for they want us to invest in this stupid ass feud because it's stupid well i mean what will you use the uk versus united states we're not at war with each other like it makes no fucking sense <laughs> So. And the thing is, he's green as anything, and you're going to put him in with Cody, and and what you're going to do, have him beat Cody with that one punch, you can't work a match. He's literally, like I say, he is quite a well-known face in the UK, because obviously, unfortunate events, how he stopped uh, boxing, but he's nowhere near ready, and uh, if they do that at double or nothing, I will be really, really surprised, and I hate the type of storyline. I'm not saying that Goku can't have a future, but the whole point of development, you don't just chuck him on and go, oh, this will help us. You know, like, out of talent on the roster as well, it's not needed, you know? And, 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 and I see, if he beats Cody, I think you probably lose your fucking mind. Imagine me. Because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You'll lose your fucking mind. I'll probably say, fuck this, I'm not watching AEW no more. Um, the, the, this is what I'm talking about. Like you said, you're right. The guy's not ready. And he had one match. One match. It was like three, four weeks ago. And they stopped the match because he punched the guy in the ribs. Uh, he has no wrestling move. I, I don't remember seeing him do any wrestling move. Um, and, and, I mean, this is what I say. I, sometimes AEW pushes. They want to go. They, they talk so much shit about WWE. Or they try to throw a little pot shot at WWE. But they fucking following the same concept. So, like, to me, it's like, you, you try, I understand you're trying to reach the UK fans and, and all that, but, but I think that Gogo is not ready to be in that ring. He's, he's green as shit. You know, as a matter of fact, he's green as baby shit. So, I can't. <laughs> right, I, I can't. I can't. Well, we'll move on. Alex Marvez interview Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page about their attack on Sting and Darby Allen a week ago. The TNT champion disrupted and fraud with the hills until the numbers game proved too great. The hills sent Allen crashing down a flight of concrete stairs. The medical staff arrived on the scene to close out the segment. Great from Sky. Page left impact, stopped being a tag wrestler to become a tag wrestler with AEW, whatever. But what a bump down the stairs from Darby oh Allen, risking God. his life. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's he, first of all, first of all, the the the, the promo between Sky, uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page was great because Scorpio Sky said, uh, "You're staying, you're, you're welcome, uh, something. You overstay your welcome, right?" You can even call him a bitch, which I was like, "Whoa, that that's that's bold for somebody to call a legend a bitch." Ethan Page, I love his his promo also because he's like, "We have a history," which means these guys wrestle in the independent scene many years ago. The fact that, I tell you, man, Darby Allen is the MVP of this company. For him to take a bump like that, okay, and um, I, was, I read something online that he legitimately, legitimate, he is hurt. He, he said, I think his shoulder, his elbow is real bad. 
Um, but he's still going to wrestle next week. Uh, but that's like we were just talking. This sets up whoever he's going to defend the bill with for him to lose it next week, and then he'll go uh, uh, double nothing, you know, like get his revenge or try to get his revenge on Scorpio or Ethan Pace. But I got to give it to him. you you got to be crazy to take a bump like that. Um, conc- and I don't care what anybody tells me. Oh, wrestling is fake. Wrestling is scripted. But he took a fucking bump down a flight of concrete steps or, or stairs. You tell me anybody who's going to take that. I got to give it to Darby Allen. No. No, it's unbelievable stuff. Well, up next, we've got Dipped to Brick Baker, DMD versus Julia Hart. Baker in control. She hits an air raid crash and pulls up the pin. DMD <laughs> then wins by submission with a locked jaw. I laugh. Because <laughs> this... That's the only fucking notes you can take out of that. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. That is, this is what it should have been, though, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt bad for that girl, Julia Hart. I don't even think she did any offers. She, all she got was mush, slapped around, and then locked jaw. Sure. Uh, we see Taz breaking down Christian Cage work since coming back and then it's Jurassic Park uh, Jurassic Express, Jurassic Park Jurassic Express versus SCU versus the Acclaim versus the Varsity Blondes for the number contendership for the tag team titles uh, Pillman was wearing his legendary father's tights in tribute and we see the Acclaim saying to Pillman that you're going to be on Dark Side of the Ring in 10 years, that was alright uh, we took the fight to Kazarian uh, late and then he scored an upset victory for his team Daniels appeared and delivered the best moonsault ever, earning the win for SCU um, this was rushed and it's a bit of a shame Pillman got pinned what were your thoughts on this match? First of all, why do we even have that four-way tag? Okay, and I'm going to explain to you why, now the week, uh, was the last, the week, last week, right? Didn't Kazarian and Daniels came out after the Young Bucks match and told them, uh, sign the contract and stop being a bitch because they're the legitimate number one contenders. So Tony Khan decides, oh, let's put a four way for the number one contention. I'm like, hold up, wasn't SCU already the number one contention? Why put this match together? Second. Uh, Jurassic Express should be broken up. And the reason I say that is because I, be, I, I believe that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy should be uh, singles wrestlers. Uh, Jungle Boy is the future. The guy, can, I mean, he had a great match with Dax Harwood. He had a great match with Darby Allen. He shows you what he could do in the ring as a single competitor. He could have a great match with Kenny Omega, whether he wins or not. He's still young, you know. Luchasaurus, we saw him wrestle on a singles match, and he forgot what he was supposed to do with Cesar Bonanaro, or whatever his name is. So, to me, SCU should be, um, not SCU, uh, Luchasaurus should be broken up. The uh, Acclaim, I think they rushed them up too quick, and I haven't seen that team win a damn match on Dynamite. Uh, maybe they had one in Dark and uh, Elevation. And finally, the uh, Varsity Blonde. Uh, these guys, they, they, they're going to be jobbers. They're going to keep jobbers. And, and the thing that's killing me is that Brian Pillman Jr., this guy, when he was in MLW, he will not win all his matches, but he'll give you a decent match. He'll get in there and wrestle. He'll win a couple of the points. They are treating him like shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it is because, you know, uh, um, the... I don't know if it's because of his father or, you know, because I, I haven't seen the uh, Dark Side of the Ring by his father, but I heard a lot of negative stuff by his father. So I don't know if it's because of that. Uh, 
But Brian Pillman should not be teaming up with no Griff Carrington. Those guys should be separated also. They got too many tag teams anyway. So yeah. uh, I, I still think they should have never had this four-way because it didn't make no sense. Because and I, and I believe the only reason they did that was because they're running that storyline where if Kazarian and Daniels lose, they will break up. But we know next week they're going to break up because the Young Bucks may beat them. I doubt this is the problem sometimes with it, but we then get a video package from New Japan Pro Wrestling hyping up John Moxley's reign, so WGP United States Heavyweight Champion, and featuring dual and promos for him. The opponent next week, Blue Justice himself, Yuji Negata. Of course, more details on the WNR podcast for that with Monty, of course. Uh, and then we see Tony Schwann introduce AW World Champion Kenny Omega, seconded by MT. Nakazawa and announced the next week top ranked competitors pack and Orange Cassidy will battle for the right to challenge him for the title of double or nothing. Mega put over the idea of a match with Pack, even mind the audience that he'd lost to the Britain more than one occasion. This brought out Cassidy, whom Omega disrespected and downplayed as a threat for taking his sunglasses and giving them to Nakazawa. Um what were your, what were your thoughts on this? What happened about Page and Cage from last week? And I know like the rankings <laughs> can change. But you know, like we were just yeah, talking it, about this. It, you know, it, it's this is what I'm talking about. They're all over the place. They remind me when they first started. They were doing storylines and they were all over the place. So I'm like, is the ranking system does is the ranking system really what your guys are following, or you just making up shit as you go? Because again, we when we first started this podcast, we started off with the Brian Cage uh, versus Adam Page. Adam Page was the number one contender. Say so Brian Cage defeated Adam Page, that means Brian Cage is the number one contender. So why in the hell are you trying to reenact <laughs> AEW Revolution from last year where Park and Orange Cassidy, I mean, they, they, they brought the house down with what they had because nobody knew that Orange Cassidy could wrestle like that. You're going to try to reenact that, and it's not going to be the same. So you're going to tell me, and the way I'm looking at this, and I could be wrong, they're going to have either Park, um, Park Russo, Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy versus uh, Kenny Omega at, um, at double or nothing. Now, my thing is, okay, you're giving a, uh, giving a guy like Orange Cassidy an opportunity for the AEW world title, right? But, I mean, do you really want to see that? I mean, why not put Park versus yeah. uh, 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 Kenny Omega for double or nothing? Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, let's hope they hope they don't. Yeah, let's hope they don't go for the obvious because obviously we know, like you said, Death Triangle and uh, Jurassic Express have got problems. But I mean, after this segment, it has to be packed, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's what I found strange that Orange Cassidy just took. Don't be, but don't be surprised because you know they had already uh, how many matches they had already a Park and Omega, I think two. Yeah, and I think they won and won, but. I mean, maybe Omega wants to say, figure like, well, you know what? Let, let's let's put um, Orange Cassidy in there, and who knows? He might do the same shit he did with Park, where he brought the house down. And nobody expected what he did, but I don't know. I think there's better challenges for for Omega in there that they could, you know. Yeah, I, I I think with this as well, Omega bored me a little bit um, with it, with his promo, and the fact is that we had seen them earlier wrestling a match, so it wasn't that big of a fucking surprise again, you know. Uh, <laughs> of course, Nakazawa got the shades. And the Impact World titles, Bubba was not happy about that. Uh, but anyway, move on. And after the break, Miro approached Shivani. 
and revealed that he's a contract for a TNT Championship match against Darby Allen next week. He vowed to win it no matter how many risks Allen takes. The man who doesn't mind dying versus the man who doesn't mind killing him. That was, that was awesome. Great. That was a great promo what he did. But but I love what he said because uh, I think Tony Schiavone said, well, you see what happened to him. Uh, you might win by forfeit. He said, no, 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 no. I don't want to win it by forfeit. You know, and that's why he said the man that don't mind dying, don't mind, you know, he's going to kill him. But yeah. I, I see Miro winning the belt next week. And, and like uh, I said, yeah. we're not going to see we're not going to see Darby going to double nothing with that belt because they're going to put him in a tag team match because they probably won the TNT title on the card. You know, and we could probably see Miro, the new TNT champion versus Kip Sabian. Well, I think they said Kip Saban's actually been uh, got injured and had to require surgery, so he might be oh. out for a little while. So, like I said, it's interesting to see who they can put in there with Miro, you know. And like I said, next week's Dynamite looks very interesting because you've got the tag team titles on the line uh, as well. And of course, like I said, Cody Rose uh, announcement and of course uh, Mox versus Nagata. So, you know, they're building up towards that. But we move on well, now to our main uh, event, you, historic. Before, before oh, we move, before we moved on to the blood and guts, now. You see how they already set up a great show for next week, right? Yeah. Right. That car that they have. Why did they didn't put that on 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 this blood uh bloods and guts? You know how many viewers they would have gotten. But anyway, that's just me. Well, no, this is the thing because we've had you and I have done AEW specials before, like Beach Freight, where they actually had a proper card. And with this one, it's kind of like a one match, you know, with filler stuff on it which yeah. is a bit of a surprise because you think that a match itself you know look at takeover war games it's it's a tradition now and yeah. that might have been a good paper match in itself but they put it here and then like i said they're stacking the next card it doesn't really make sense and i don't think the build for this double or nothing pay-per-view has been great because i think they've been treading water this past you know couple of weeks maybe yeah, even months were, yeah. mm-hmm. you know with omega moxley kind of waiting for the pay-per-view I itself guess, I but, guess um, because i guess because the double or nothing is going to be toward the end of the month i think it's may 30th if i'm correct um and they figure well we got enough time you know to bullshit for a little bit and then we start setting up cards so maybe next week we'll see what what's going to happen you know uh with this great card that they got i mean on paper looks great so you know we'll see well, I think we're out of doubt. So we move on. Like I said, historic blood and guts match for the inner circle and the pinnacle. It has been a great build up. Uh, what were your expectations before the match up? And what were your thoughts on the structure when you saw it? Because obviously we've had so much build. The build has been fantastic into it. What were we, what were you hoping out of this match up? And what did you think of the look? Cause we are, we talked about on the anniversary show, how they would do it. And we saw the kind of double K structure as well. Yeah, the, I mean, they they did very well with it, the way they set it up. The only problem I had, uh, and uh, that the cage was not attached to the edge of the ring. I mean, a lot of these guys were falling in between the cage and the ring. But the ring itself was set up nicely. Uh, I was expecting blood. I was expecting everything, chair shots, uh, all kinds of, you know. I mean, to me, like I said, what... I, it was. I was. I wanted to see the violence. I wanted to see how bad, or how crazy it was going to get. That, that's what well, I was that, expecting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That you, 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 they give blood and guts. I'm expecting blood and guts. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. we did ask everybody who they thought we win this match beforehand. Uh, the inner circle got 75 percent of the vote. So they are the favourites going into this. Well, we see the pinnacle wearing white inner circle with the black prison outfits where they come from on the back and of course um pride and powerful had their face painted 
Uh, we kicked off with Sammy Guevara and Dax Harwood represented their teams. Dax is just a great talent. You talked about his match uh, with Jungle Boy. And the opening five minutes with Guevara as well was brilliant. And he did a really nice blade job as well. He was bleeding all over the place. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, it, it, the thing with the, the way I love the way the match started with Sammy Guevara just jumped over both top ropes just to get to Dax. And um, and he was taking control of most of the match until Dax hit him with that spine buster. But overall, um, uh, I love what, what he did. Like He got hit with the cage, he bladed. And he did it very well. I mean, and it looked like, a, oh, my God, a, a crimson mask, you know. Um, the only thing is that I, I know that uh, Dave Meltzer uh, mentioned was it, it was supposed to be a five-minute, the first uh, first round of five-minute, but they shaved it down to four because of TV time. But, I mean, I got to give it to Sammy. Sammy took a lot of punishment in that damn match, and I got to give it to him. And if I, I got to send you the picture of what what his body looked like I, I think i put it on twitter i'm not sure but his body looked like it was oh my god it was brutal dude but i, I like the the whole dax harwood that's a dax harwood and, and cash wheelie those guys remind me of the of tully blanchard and rns those that they that's what you call old school wrestlers right there uh, a, a fantastic team as well. We see Guevara bloody's opponent just in time for Sean Spears. Trent are given a pinnacle of one man advantage for two minutes. The Spanish squad absorbed considerable punishment, including an unprotected chair shot to the face. Where you know I still watch WWE and stuff like that, and when I see a chair shot like that, I still flinch because yeah. of just the, the damage uh, that it does. Or T centered the ring unloaded on the hills. He blasted Spears with a chair while on top rope, giving way to a Spanish fly by Guevara, which was brilliant. Unfortunately, oh, man, that was Sammy's. Beautiful. That was beautiful. I mean, yeah, I mean that was beautiful. Uh, unfortunately, Sammy's next springboard was not, as he uh, <laughs> slipped across. Yeah. And it's yeah. always a shame. You always go, oh fuck it, Sammy. Why don't you just leave it as the first one? You know? Because I think I think what it is, you know, he figures. I mean, you, you gotta understand Spanish fly on a double top rope, like on balancing on top of two ropes. Okay, bad enough. You know, it's it's crazy because either way. You could hurt yourself. You could sprain the ankle, sprain your knee. And then the best part was that Ortiz just threw a, ch- a chair right in the back of Spear and he did the move. I don't know what uh, uh, Sammy Guerrero was trying to do the next uh, next spot, but he slipped and busted his ass. And I yeah. was like, oh, my gosh. But that's, you know, that's part of the war game, so. Well, that's like, and this is the kind of the fun, the cash wheeler entering for the pinnacle next. And and like you talked about in like FTR, where as soon as he came in and they kind of looked at each other, he thought, now uh, in a circle in trouble because now we've got a proper fucking tag team in here, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We <laughs> we see the white black Guevara for joining Harwood for an assisted brain buster on Ortiz. And then the camera work, we've sp- spoken about that today as well. The camera work being a little bit off for AEW in certain parts. Uh, they were on the one side of the cage looking at the, the pinnacle when Santana and entered the other side. And I just thought that can be better, you know? There's It just needs think, to be a little bit sharper. Were, yeah, I think they were trying to do um, camera cuts. I don't know what they were trying to do there, but, you know, but, you know, I mean, I don't really pay attention to a lot to that. I, I, I pretty I much pay attention to what the hell is going on in the ring. But, yeah, the, the, camera, spot, the camera spots, we're all over the place. They were not uh, on point. No, but Santana did enter the fray, firing away with hard right hands and even arguing Wheeler. He launched himself at FTR and in the break, but found himself slammed face first into the cage. 
Wardlow went to the match with the pinnacle next and stood defiantly, daring in the circle to bring the fight to him. He fed off the attacks of Santana, Ortiz and Guevara, tossing them aside like rag dolls. Wardlow looked great at that point, Wardlow, didn't he? Wardlow, you know? Wardlow, look, that dude's a beast. That dude, I mean, it's funny because I saw Santana, Ortiz and Guevara try to face off with him. I'm like, he's going to kick your ass. He's going to kick both of your ass. That dude's a beast. So... Uh, we see Jake Hager went to the next toss in his pinnacle pilots around delivering a Hager bomb to Wheeler. He applied the ankle lock to Spears, who tapped to no avail. It's the best Hager's looked in a while as well. Uh, but we see with Wardlow back to his feet, Big Hager came face-to-face with his fellow heavyweight. They exchanged rights and lefts, but Wardlow gained the upper hand by sending him into the cage. Uh, Spears hit C4 and Guerrero just as MJF became the final member of his team to enter the fight. With pinnacle rolling the mouth of Hill, taunting to Chris Jericho from inside this structure and the cameras caught Willow and putting over the barbarism of the contest. And again, we talked about uh, Harwood's uh, blade job. Uh, Wheeler's was just as good. And I think maybe at some he thought maybe a, a, too much of a gusher. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, there was loose, you know, and, they, and, and this, there were loose spots in this match that remind me of other war games. But I'm going to let you know which one. Is. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Jericho entered the match and the bell rang, meaning the team would end, uh, meaning this would end in pinfall or submission now. Uh, the champion produced Floyd, the baseball bat, which again, they kind of missed, bashing his opponents with it and chasing Spears up the cage, where he choked him with a weapon. And as the show headed to a, this is a picture-in-picture commercial in America. Unfortunately for us in the UK, we don't get it. So even when they say picture-in-picture, it would just go to an ad bait. So when we came back, the ring was exposed when we returned. Oh, so you, you don't get the picture-in-picture? No, we don't get the picture. It literally, oh. they say, oh, we're going to go picture in picture, and then it just goes to an ad break, and we miss it. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah. But don't feel bad. Three don't feel now. bad. I said the... We went on picture in picture, right? And then uh, it went to regular commercial, and they come back, the whole damn ring, the the the, 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 the mat was taken off, the, the, everything was fucking showing. I'm like, how, how did that happen? Uh, it was just... I don't understand when you do that moment when you're going to be questioning what you've missed when you come back or even show yeah. like a slight replay. But anyway, we see Spears of the trio while Guevara went coast to coast to live in the van Terminator. Jericho bashed MJF with a steel turnbuckle and San Ortiz teams up to gouge his full back with a fork to the face. I actually did laugh at that moment. Uh, that's the good of the butcher move. Yeah, Mine was, uh, I was expecting to see chunks coming out of it, um, but we see uh, MJF just bleeding all over the place. That looked great at, at that point. And then the baby faces went for Wardlow heading into the final break of the night. Um, as they took out Wardlow, it, was, it came a little bit of a mess uh, towards the end, but I suppose with the amount of action uh, that was going on, you know, it's supposed to be. They bossed, they bossed um, a couple of stuff with, with Warlow because I, I noticed that I think Hager tried to do something and Warlow was supposed to, to lift him up and he fell. And they were just hitting him with chair shots, kicking him. They were beating the shit out of Warlow. Yeah, I think about that and it's just the way he went down. It, it wasn't pretty, but it was effective, shall we say. And um, yeah. went for another commercial when Jericho and M. Jeff were on top of the cage uh, fighting. Uh, we see the walls of Jericho applied, but MJF refused to tap. He caught Jericho with a low blow and then applied the salt of the earth armbar. Jericho fended off the pain, but MJF answered with a shot to the face with a dynamite diamond ring. He berated the now bloody Jericho on top of the cage and threatened to throw him off if in a circle didn't surrender. Guevara, in the name of saving his friend, a mentor, did, bringing the match to a screeching halt. Then, typically heel fashion, MJF shoved him off anyway. Jericho took a big bump 
off the stage at least 10 feet into a crash pad to uh, end the show quite comfortably in there as MGF stood triumphantly atop the cage. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Again, AEW blow the finish, this time with a choice of shot and just what they did. But uh, before we get to the bit where we're most annoyed about, what did you think of the match overall? The match overall, I mean, it lived to the expectations. That's, that's, that's one of the things I said on my podcast on Thursday. It led to the expectation that the, the, uh, they watched little spots that, I, that remind me of other war games when they had the face-off of they were, well, the inner circle one ring and, and um, the pinnacle on the other. Kind of remind me of the NST takeover, I think, was, I think was the uh, Undisputed Era where Pete Dunne and his group, but they, but they spot was they were much closer in the, uh, by the ropes. Uh, there was another spot that reminded me of another war game. That's when Jericho hit uh, MJF with the corner pad with the steel beam. Remind me of the 1992 war game between the, the same squadron versus uh, the Dangerous Alliance. Now, the last spot, I, I could say, they, uh, they would have said, uh, MJF said, oh, if you don't give up, I'll throw him off the, uh, the top of the cage. This is a, a 1997 war game when the NWO caught Ric Flair and had his head between the, the side of the cage and said, if you don't give up, we're going to slam the damn cage door on his head. So that's where they got that spot up. Uh, so there was little spots there that remind me of a lot of the war games. They did it right. It's just the way the ending, uh, the ending, which, I mean, I mean, Sammy Guevara said, please don't throw him or we give up, give up. That kind of, to me, it, it kind of protects both factions. Because Pinnacle wins it because, you know, they're the younger guys, whatever. And Inner Circle is still protected because, you know, you didn't really make them give up. They said it because you was about to throw their leader from the top. So that's my spot. So let's talk about let's talk about the spot that I know you. So I'll let you talk first. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was say, like, I mean, overall, the match, like I said, they put all effort in. I think you can't have a go at least, you know, these. 10 guys when they're bleeding and sweating and, and paying the price so to speak and and like you talked about you mentioned the greatest greatest match of all time in 1992 so there's a lot of history going to this one and AEW's first attempt and I think it passed the mark and where it didn't pass the mark is, is towards is, is the ending as well because Jericho with that crash pad and my problem if they showed one replay of him getting thrown off and then left it at that I think it would be more spectacular because they kept hitting home that replay and you saw each time how comfortable he was landing. And I'm not saying, and a lot of AW fans have said, he should fall on concrete. You want him to fall on concrete and die? No, I don't. But I want there to be a differentiator when you see Darby Allen getting thrown down a flight of concrete fucking stairs and then Jericho landing safely on a crash mat. You think, well, which of these is not like the other, you know? Well, well, the... And I'm glad you brought up the, the Darby Allen part. The Darby Allen, he's willing to take those uh, bumps. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, he's relentless. That's what I love about Darby Allen. You know, Jericho, in his case, I think he didn't want to take a big bump. Understandable, he's 50, he's 50 years old, whatever. You know, of course, you don't want a guy to be thrown off a freaking 20 feet high cage or 10 feet, whatever the cage is, into concrete. But you could have put a black a black uh, uh, blanket over it, and the crash pad, you didn't need to pull metal. Like, you didn't need the little crash pad with the metal thing on it. You could have just put the black stuff, you could have made it look like it's wood, and he went through it. 
and you know what I'm saying, and make some sound effect, you know what I'm saying? But uh, all you heard was like boom, that's it. And then you see the pads, that full pad with 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 metal um, stuff on top. And I'm like, here's my problem with that. If Jericho did not want to take a big bump, they should have never did the finish like that. Yeah. They could have done it. They could have done the same thing like 1997, with like the same thing where they where NWO took Ric Flair and put his head over the cage. Handcuffs could have been involved. I'm surprised they didn't use no handcuffs on this. Okay, uh, I feel that they would have used handcuffs. They could have went and said, "Well, if you don't do this, we're gonna slam the the the, the cage on Jericho's head, or, or could have done something. You know what I'm saying? Or barbed wire. You know, they could have. But you're gonna make them say, "Oh, give up! I'll throw him off the stage of the cage," and then. You don't win the match by that by throwing them off the cage, but you made them surrender by saying, "Okay, don't don't throw them off the cage. We surrender." Yeah. But then you're gonna throw them off, and then the background where he lands, you clearly see that it's a mattress under it. You know, a, but, a orthopedic mattress. Sorry, yeah. Well, right? have have Guevara. You know, like I said, have Sammy Guevara. You know, say no, no, no. I'm not gonna give up. Whether this is what Jericho would want, get yeah. thrown off, and then Sammy going, "I'll oh, stop the match. We've got to make sure he's." You know, Jericho's dead or whatever it is. Do the one shot of him falling off, not from that angle, from maybe the side point of view. And you can't maybe see the impact as much. But it was just the kind of... I don't know what they were thinking, you know? And, I really and, and don't. You make, and you make a good point because they kept showing the replays. So the, not only did they shot themselves in their foot, but you kept showing the replays. So basically everybody's going to be like, look, he didn't really get hurt. No, look, you know what I'm saying? And... and you know, like you said, a lot of people online like, oh, what do you want him to do? To fall concrete? No, but we want, if AEW is going to do something like that, don't fucking drop the ball like you did at that explosion match. Because this is the second time that they do this. It goes to show you they could do, they could book a great um, gimmick match, but your ending are horrible. So I think Tony Khan is playing more of a mark. Because, oh, I wanted this match, but what's the ending? How, who came up with this ending? Who was the one who said, gave the thumbs up? Okay, so once, you know, once they give up, then, then throw him off the cage, and he'll land on the little orthopedic queen-size bed. What? You know, it doesn't make no sense. So it's disappointing because even though they made a mil- they, they had a million views for this, but how many of those viewers are going to come back next week? That's the well, question. And it- and the thing is as well, and you know, you know, as well as I do as well in professional wrestling, what is the most important thing about an entire match or moment? And it's the finish. The finish is what you remember. And mm-hmm. for me, when you build up a barbed wire exploding match as big as they did, and then you have that at the end, that's what gets remembered. And then a blood and guts match where, you know, the blood and guts and everything on the line and it ends like that. And that's what people are going to remember. It's a damn shame because they all put their bodies on the line for that moment at the end to kind of let it down, you know? And Shashi Blackheart, she jumped on that on Twitter the same day. And you know what? As much as I don't like Shashi Blackheart, but AEW put themselves in that situation because your finish was not good. Your match was great. Now, I I can say right now that the match uh, led to the hype, the bloods, the guts. I mean, they they did shit in there that, I mean, it was crazy. But, I mean, and again, at the end of the day, you only saw NJF on top of the case at gloating. What about the rest of the team? So I, 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 
are they really promoting the team or they're just trying to push MJF to a higher level? I mean, I don't see this team lasting too long because, you know, at the end of the day, you can't, you know, you cannot have, you know, a, a team like the Pinnacle, but yet you are pushing MJF more, if anything. Even though the story was really with, well, MJF trying to take uh, the spot of Chris Jericho's spot, but, you know, now that, they, now that you, they kind of fucked up this fucking blood and guts, how about now put them these guys one-on-one and have great matches with them? Well, the good thing is, I completely agree with you there, and I think we might see that coming up at the pay-per-view maybe, but the, the, the thing is, is that AEW's still got the goodwill, you know, it's still got the fans who are fighting this corner matter, even if it is the biggest part of shit going in the world, AEW fans will defend it, and my thing has always been that kind of, you know, treat them all the same, if, if, someone does, if, if a wrestling company does something bad, then you call them out on it, and I think this is it's something that AEW obviously will survive, but again, it's another thing of going, oh, this is improve it which is great because they're not always going to hit it out of the park you know and i think with this show yeah it, but that shows but it, it you know but it's been twice though you think about it it's been yes out of the last three months it's been two times you cannot yeah. keep the two biggest shows as well yeah, yeah two biggest shows they've had because now now what's your excuse you're gonna it's not like you're under pressure it's like a, it's like what i've been saying ever since nxt is not competing with aew they kind of a little bit slacking off and, i mean then again, you know, maybe you don't have to go and, and put, you know, all your eggs in the basket, but you can't do shit like this. This is this is something that people are going to remember, like you said, you know, the, the explosion match, the ending of that, the bloods and guts. Yeah, the match was good, but the ending of that and you can't continue. You're going to lose fans. I mean, I got to listen. I got people that in the, in the podcast world that I deal with and they were like, they were so fucking pissed off at AEW that they're like, really? This is the shit you're giving us? You know? And and the fact that some of these people heard about the possibility of Orange Cassidy versus Omega, they're not happy about <laughs> that either. So, I mean, I mean, as a fan, I mean, I think that what I've been seeing since NXT left uh, the Wednesday nights, AEW is now like, is, is they, they slacking a little bit. I don't know if you see it that way, but I think they're slacking a little bit. I, I think the shows haven't been as great as they should have been. Like you said, maybe they take the foot off the pedal a little bit, but I feel with AEW, they need to knock this pay-per-view coming up at the end of the month. That, of course, we're going to review at the start of uh, June out of the park, and I think they can't have anything wrong. Because the thing is, if this was WWE that it happened with, in a match that is hyped up as the kind of the biggest that they've had in the past couple of months, and this would have happened, then the reaction, they would have been slated even, even more. So I think, it, like you said, it comes to the point of AEW where some people are going to go, the AEW hardcore fans will go, oh, we'll stick with it. But some other fans will go, do you know what, actually? They keep letting us down in important moments. This is what happened with WCW. This is what happened with all these other fucking wrestling companies where, you, you know, you don't pay it off in the end. And, and this is what kind of happens. But... You know, overall, like I said, the reaction I got, you know, we're asking people what their reactions were for the show. OK got 10.5%, Good got 5.3%, Great 36.8%, and Awesome was 47.4%. Now, I thought this was really, really good, but it was awesome, you know? I mean, like I said, if they would have stuck to the to the part where, OK, you hit, you, you made them give up and then just leave, uh, uh, Jericho bleeding on top of the cage. I think that would have been good enough. You know what I'm saying? Overall, the match was great. I love the match. It just the way they they 
it's like it was beautiful cake. They baked the cake. It had nice coloring, whatever. And at the end, they put a pile of shit on top of it. So, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't make yeah, no sense. Uh, like, like yeah. you you can't make a cake and make it look cute, and then now you want to put dog shit on it. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's literally doing that. It's like you know, painting your house and doing it all up and bringing all new TVs and new playstations and and then leaving the front door open. And then, exactly. do you know what I mean? So like, somebody could, could rob you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and this is the thing. What is the point in there? Uh, according to Showbuzz uh, Daily, low Dynamite average 1.9 million. I oh, say 1.09 uh, million viewers during its two-hour broadcast on TNT. And again, it starts loads more arguments with people going, "Well, DVR, there was another million people watching it, um, and that would add to it." But the same could be said for Raw, SmackDown, NXT as well. So again, it's it's apples and oranges, you know. We all, some people, you have to take it sometimes, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna guarantee you this much, okay. And and the funny thing is, on paper for next week's AEW Dynamite, it looks good, right? Because you got Yugi Nagata from New Japan coming in to wrestle John Moxley for the IWGP United States Title, right? You got the Young Bucks versus SCU. Um, I don't know what the other, the other matches are, but uh, oh, Darby against Miro. Uh, yeah, so you got, got Cody's. Yeah, you Cody's got Cody's big announcement as well. Yeah. What Cody? I don't care about Cody right now. So he <laughs> moves his ass. So he moves his ass to the fucking TNT title picture or the fucking world title. Then I'll give a fuck about Cody. Cody's too busy fucking fighting Antonio Gogo and whatnot. So. Come on. Wake me up before you a go-go. I think yeah, that would be best. Yeah, exactly. Wake me the fuck up because I, this is going to put me to sleep. But um, <laughs> So right now, on paper, it looks good. Now, my question is, are you going to have a million people watching this show after this disappointment this week? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm, listen, I, I, right now, my main concern is this whole fucking forbidden door shit. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at um, Impact. With with the the stuff that's going on with the, the forbidden door stuff, where where now Phantasmo showing up at at at, um, at Impact, the uh, I can't look right now. This this whole shit with the uh, forbidden doors gotta start opening and make it happen because they fucking slacking with this bullshit and they need to and, and especially AEW. I, I can't say about much of Impact because Impact's being smart. They lost okay. They don't have the world title. From anybody from their crew with the world title, even though Omega goes with the Good Brothers and they're beating up every fucking body and Impact, but but they but but they're taking advantage of this forbidden door stuff, right? Meanwhile, AEW is just fucking sleeping at the fucking wheel, you know. And they got they're gonna have to they need a lot a lot of makeup for after those two disappointments. You know what I'm saying? They got uh okay. I'm about to say, do you think it's fair? Because I mean, we we talk about disappointments as well, and. And I think the thing is, uh, Impact, uh, Dynamite, sorry, got like 1.2 million viewers the first uh, time that uh, it wasn't opposed to NXT. And people were saying, oh, that's great. But I think people forget the fact that Jericho was on the Austin podcast on the network on that weekend. And maybe, you know, not all of them, but maybe a few of them that saw that, you know, interview thought, let's check out Dynamite for the first time. You know, liked it first or second time. And then, like I said, get to blood and guts and think, well, I can't. That's me done now, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but even, 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 let's say, I don't, I, I mean, that could have done, done wonders for them. But I think, I remember when NXT did not compete with um, AEW one week, I think because they, have, they were on Tuesday nights or whatever it was. 
They, I mean, AEW got one million. They could get one million. It's just the fact that if you get one million, you're not getting, you're not being competed with anybody. NXT right now is not competing with you anymore. This is an opportunity for AEW to put matches where one, you take the advantage of Twitter trending. Let's say uh, I don't know Brian Cage versus Kenny Omega, right? Put that in there. That's just gonna trend, and people gonna be like, "Oh shit, Brian Cage is is wrestling Kenny Omega. Let me check it out." You know, stuff like that that make brings more new eyes to the product. But when you do shit like this, like what they've done the last two months or two two months and a half, you, you're gonna even the 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 like you said the uh, AEW loyalists are gonna be like, "Do I really want to watch this shit?" Because it's gonna disappoint me. You know. Now you put a good uh, a, a good event, and now you disappointed people. Now, do you think those people that saw that disappointment, are they going to come back next week to watch the Young Bucks against SCU, Miro against Darby Allen, you know, uh, uh, Nagata versus Moxley? You know, those are the questions you're going to see, and we're going to find out next week when we see the ratings. And it's not just that as well. It's the fact is, or, you know, or will they come back to watch free TV? Yeah, they might do. Will they put their hand in the pocket and spend $50 on a fucking pay-per-view at the end of the month? That is the question as well uh, I think that you've got to look at, you know. I, I think that what they should have done, right, what they should have done, okay, you want you want people to fucking buy your pay-per-view and, and make double or nothing good? You should have put bloods and guns in double or nothing. You don't get that shit on free TV because, number one, the match is going great, and we have fucking commercials. So let me tell you, let me give you a story real quick. Uh, so during that match, they went picture and picture, right? So I'm like, well, usually the picture and picture is not really much happening, you know. So I went quick to the bathroom to use, you know, to water the plants. I came back, and Jericho's on top of the cage. I said, what the fuck happened? How do you get to the top of the cage? <laughs> and, and so it comes to find out Blanchard took the fucking keys away from the referee, and, you know, I didn't even bother to rewind it because I'm like, okay, let's see what happens from here. And that's when everything went downhill. It, it, like I said, I, I don't understand that, you know, I, first you gave this on free TV. You could have put it at double or nothing, okay? And it's supposedly double or nothing. They're claiming they're going to have 5,000 people in the, uh, uh, in the daily place. That's, that's the word, right? Now, if you announce that before double or uh, before uh, Blessing Guns, why would you put Bloods and Guns on free TV? You could have put that shit in fucking pay-per-view. You would have got a lot of buys. And then you didn't have to rush the fucking thing because, like I said, the first period was, was supposed to be five minutes. They, they, they shaved off a minute off. Well, that was four. I don't know if they, they – because it looked like there wasn't no two-minute periods. It, was, uh, it looked like it was more like one. You know, the guys come in, they do a couple of moves, and the next guy's already coming in. You know? So – I don't know. I mean, again, they're a new company. You, know, you, can't keep, you can't keep bringing up the excuse of them being new. You've been yeah. on the fucking doing this for two, almost two years already. I told you it makes two years you've been doing this. And you continue to drop the ball on shit like this, you're going to lose fans. People are not going to take you serious. Remember, AEW is supposed to be the alternative. And they doing WWE bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Because... First of all, and before I let, uh, before I, uh, uh, I call it, before you continue, did they need to throw fucking Jericho off the cage? Why did you need it to do a fucking Shake McMahon bullshit for WWE? Because now that's that's what WWE. Anytime there's a hell in the cell, somebody falls off the fucking cage. You know what I'm saying? But this is 
this is the yeah. thing they could have saved they could have saved him they could have had jericho be saved before he, he fell you know with the, the inner circle climbing up and kind of grabbing him to stop that or even if they wanted to and have the you know and go oh you didn't have the big bump at the end and just do the one shot and like i said it's really interesting way around it and and this you know we've been doing AEW for a long time and and this is probably the most i say negative that we've been i think definitely you know maybe your side thinking about it at this moment in time but i just think for me it's vital this next little stage now like i said the next time you're on will be the start of june where we're looking at a double or nothing pay-per-view it's vital now that dynamite gets back to its best and that the pay-per-view you know yes i know it's going to be four and a half fucking hours i know it's going to be long but i just hope that they can deliver uh, a, a good show and i think that's i think if they don't deliver a good pay-per-view and we get the same shit we've seen at blood and guts and of course at the last show uh the last pay-per-view i think then the inquest will start at, at that moment in time. I think at the moment, AEW going, oh, you've been a bit harsh, you know, or whatever it is. And I think the jury's out, but I think this month uh, and that pay-per-view is vital, you know? Well, if you, but if you look at it right now, the double or nothing pay-per-view, right now, you only have Sheeta versus um, Britt Baker, so far announced. After that, what else has been announced? Nothing else. And But possibility of Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy. That's the possibility there. Or we could have a, a Omega versus Pac. I'd rather watch Pac versus Omega because they when they those two go at it, it's a great match. But right now they're not they're not really doing anything. I mean, I'm sure they're gonna put a casino battle royal again. Uh, a and a fucking ladder match. <laughs> <laughs> or a fucking uh, a bat on a stake on a fucking pole, whatever. You know? But but, but it goes to show you they, they they're gonna either have that or a tag team battle royal, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's like, because, again, wouldn't you put SCU versus the Young Bucks at double or nothing? Because they're going to wrestle them next week. So what would you, who are they going to face in the tag team? Unless you bring in a tag team, unless, again, if the forbidden door, are they going to be using the forbidden door? Because right now, uh, uh, I know in Japan, the, uh, the Grand Slam... The Wrestling Grand Slam event they were going to have in May got canceled because the Tokyo Tokyo is on emergency status. So they canceled those shows. I think it was two shows. Um, so are, are the Gorillas of Destiny coming back to the Florida area again or Jay White or something to that event? Because they've been teasing, and I know the Bullet Club has been teasing for a while. So same thing with uh, Tamatanga who said that uh, Machine Gun is looking for him and he said you know where i'm at so they keep teasing the question is because of what's going to happen this week coming up and i know that yugi nagata and teamed up with narod uh narita whatever his name is uh i believe was moxley and i think it was chris dickinson i don't remember who it was they had a tag team last night before the new japan strong so um so i don't know if they're going to start sending guys from japan uh, uh guys from japan coming into AEW and start some shit for double or nothing. We don't know. All I know is if I see the Gorillas of Destiny in fucking AEW, I'm going to scream like a mark because I'm a fucking <laughs> I'm a Bullet Club fucking fan and especially the Gorillas of Destiny. So they have to do something to, to, to make up on this. Yeah, but like I said, at the moment, we've got so many questions and hopefully they deliver us the answers. And you spoke about the Forbidden Door, the double over we entered the Forbidden Door at the end of the month with Mondo happening in New Japan, Impact, and AEW, and everything like this. We'll be back in AEW with WNR Dan for the uh, roundup of the episodes. And, of course, 
yourself, you will be back with us for the Double or Nothing pay per view. Which I said, do you, you, you want to do the Under Siege? May 15th, I think it's next Saturday, I think, right? Uh, I, I think I might be away. I'll have to check that because I okay. know I'm away yeah, know. coming up soon. So I'm I'll, I'll watch, let I'm you know. still watch it. I'm going to still watch it just in case, you know, because you might hit me up like, hey, let's do Under Siege. I don't want to be <laughs> like, oh, I didn't see it. You know, I'm going to check that out, though. Definitely well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Under the Siege is going to be interesting because you've got Eddie Edwards and um, Finn Juice versus the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. And of course, El Fantasma will probably be wrestling at that event as well. But uh, I know you're definitely back for the AEW pay per view at the start of next month. We'll see what yeah, happens yeah, when it comes yeah. to yeah. Under we're gonna, Siege. We will have all the answers to the questions that all you fans of the James Rowland show is going to ask. What's going to happen? We're going to have all the answers for you by then. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's all we have to do. Just wait a little bit longer and we'll have it there. But don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNRJR. Do you want to plug your stuff? Yeah, um, I'm the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, the ultimate one. You guys can find me on YouTube, um, a YouTube channel. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast. And um, I just dropped today the video on my YouTube channel of where is Daniel Bryan going if his WWE contract is over? So that's a very interesting video. You guys could check it out. Yeah, definitely check out everything that Chokes Summer Paul and, of course, the Ultimate One does. And the WNR are also on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, all the Google platforms. Fill us an email. The Dublin Podcast at gmail.com. Also on YouTube, latest clips of podcasts. Got the same time on YouTube as you do SoundCloud on your phone and also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah. So our next episode is NXT update with Monty. Uh, next week, I want with AW Double or nothing, but I will check to see uh, when under siege and everything that is going on then. But until then, I've been James Rollins and another fantastic show, mate. It's so enjoyable having you on, uh, and we're actually agreeing about how shit or how annoying AW can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm the ultimate one. I keep it real, and, and yeah, they're beginning to be very shitty. We need to pick up, start cleaning that shit up. <laughs> well you are the new cleaner uh, and of course i will try and be the invisible hand here on the wnr podcast but yeah. until uh next time thanks for listening everybody and bye <laughs>